إنك لا تهدي من أحببت ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله. Welcome to the Young Smiths podcast and joined with a very special guest, Abdurrahim Green. Salam alaikum, Sheikh. Salam, bro. How are you doing? Good. Alhamdulillah. Very well. Good to see you again. Sheikh, it's been a long time. Subhanallah. Not seen you for a long time. And I just wanted to speak to you about your early dawah. You've been a big inspiration to myself. I remember before I was a Muslim, I seen you on Peace TV. You know, one of the people who I seen and I thought, okay, I can actually be a Muslim. You know, there's actually white Muslims out there. I remember, I remember the exact uh, video I was watching, yeah. just seeing you. I think you had like a blue jacket, long red hair, mashallah. And uh, so since, ever since that day, you know, it, it really inspired me even seeing people like yourself, Yusuf Estes. Yeah other English people who have uh, embraced so, Islam. Except Yusuf's American, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, true. No problem. True. That's no, but shouldn't get confused. But. Well, people think I'm you. Well, I was going to say, bro, I was going to ask you a question. Like, yeah. you know, how, how do you feel like that all your fame and everyone knows you off the back of them thinking that you're actually me? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Yeah, no, it's, I, I all white people look the same, bro. It's true. It's Honestly, true. It's like, true. I see the people say, I saw you at Mecca. I haven't been to Mecca for like years and years. What are you talking about? No, it was you, definitely. <laughs> Like, yeah. I remember, um, yeah. no, subhanAllah, they, I remember someone came all the time, like yeah. literally even a local takeaway near my house. They thought yeah. I was Abdurrahim Green. Yeah. You know, subhanAllah, a yeah. lot of people that, you know, you was telling, well, the first time I met you, do you remember the first time I met you? No. It was at the um, Birmingham Convivencia event. Okay. And I remember you, you spoke first mm. and you said, uh, I'm just very happy to finally meet John. You know, everyone thinks he's my son. Yeah. And, the, and then I stood up and I said, I'm very happy to meet Abdurrahim Green for the first time. Everyone thinks he's my granddad. Yeah, <laughs> you remember? I, do, I remember that. He, he, he wasn't too happy. That I haven't that. forgotten until today. Yeah, no hard feelings, Sheikh. No, sorry, no. They're definitely hard feelings, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging on to that hard feeling. That's all right. No so problem. I wanted to speak to you a bit about your yeah. early dawah because, you know, you became popular and you, you've, you kind of learnt your craft in Hyde Park. Yeah. And it's kind of... People have mixed feelings about Hyde Park today. Mm. You know, some people think it's beneficial. Some people yeah, think, yeah. you know, they, it's not they always really... did, to be honest, bro. <clears throat> Even mm. back in the days, people had mixed feelings about it. Mm. Yeah. So, what, how, do you, how do you think it's changed over the years? Has it changed? Much? I don't know because I haven't really been. So the last time <coughs> I went, well, I've only been a couple of times. I went um, very soon after 9/11. I went down mm. there once, uh, or very soon after, I gave a talk there. Um, and I went one other time, but that was more like just for filming for Aira, mm. you know. Um, so I, I don't, I, I'm not really familiar. I know from hearing about it from the brothers and stuff that it all seems to be very led by social media. Mm. You know, it's a lot of, yeah, it's all a lot of playing to the camera, you yeah. know. Um, so back in the days, it was very different. Although I think we were the first people who started filming down there and, uh, mm. you know, until today those videos are out there on, you know, yeah. Dower in the Park videos and they were very, very popular. <laughs> but it wasn't really the main component. It was like mm. a sort of add-on, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think that's the big, you know, the big change. But I think fundamentally it's still really the same place. I guess back in the days, it's like it was really important to be able to stand up and speak and deliver a speech, mm. you know, like you couldn't get away with just like, okay, yeah, sure. 
we would chat to people on the side and that's mm. where a lot of the real DAO went on. But yeah. for, for, for those of us who were like the speakers, you, you really had to learn to deliver a speech mm. and keep, keep pe people's attention. You know, you that seems to have gone now. Like I remember, yeah. Sabor's still trying to reignite that. Yeah. He's, he's got his stepladder, he stands yeah, up, he yeah. gives a speech, and mm. I quite like that. That kind of yeah. you know where you actually give. You yeah, know, I mean that's an what it, to the that's, audience. I guess that's <coughs> speakers' corner. That's the whole point. You're supposed yeah. to go down there and give speeches mm. and generate debate that way. <clears throat> but there always yeah. was a lot of you know a lot of. Um, people discussing and having debates on the side. That was yeah. always there, to be honest. It yeah. always was there. Um, in fact, one of the big challenges back in the day was always to try and get more focus on mm. the speaker rather than like get everyone diverted away from yeah. the, main, the main event because that would happen yeah. a lot. Uh, but we, we had a sort of technique, actually. If there was someone who wanted a sort of debate with the speaker, yeah. we, had, we had people there ready to take that person <coughs> on the side and take them away onto the grass yeah. and sit down and have a chat with them, stop you know. Stop them heckling. Yeah, thing, well, yeah. Sort of, yeah. but obviously sometimes they were just genuine, you know, mm. people who needed a more of an in-depth yeah. conversation. So we had a nice little system going there back in the days yeah. as well. We were, we were surprisingly organized, actually. It mm. wasn't just as random as one might have imagined. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to speak a bit about how did you find Islam? Because I know you've got quite an interesting story. Um, I like, I, well, I'm surprised you're going to ask me that question because, like, <laughs> like, it's so easy to find my story about how I became But, but the thing that. is, I think there's a few yeah. things that have not been documented. Yeah, like what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you can well, uh, enlighten us. earlier. Yeah. Huh? No, no. I mean, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> no, like what? You know, you've had a lot of experiences, haven't you? I mean, you know, the thing is, is that, I mean, it's one of those things, bro, when you, it, I, to be honest, I've said the story so many times. It's mm. like, um, I just say to everyone, yeah, go and watch the video. But I mean, very briefly, look, I, I don't know, I was brought up a Roman Catholic. I went to a Roman Catholic <coughs> monastic boarding school. Mm. Um, I had lots of questions, but my, my fundamental questions were really, I guess, about what's the purpose of life. Mm. And it was basically because I, I just didn't enjoy school at all. I didn't really get why I was at this boarding school stuck in the mm. middle of, well, the edge of the Yorkshire Moors, literally. Mm. Um, and you know, far away from almost every everyone and everything, mm. and I, you know, I didn't really enjoy it at mm. all. And I, I guess that sort of prompted me to ask like deep questions about what am I even doing here? Why mm. am I at this? I, you know, like it went from why am I at this school to mm. what? You, what is even even all of this school about? Right? Why am I studying? Like yeah. you know, I'm studying to go to university so I can get a good job, so I can earn enough money. Right? to send my kids back to the same school so they can so, do the same thing. Yeah. And I thought, is that it? That really is because mm. I really couldn't see anything except that was the only thing I could see is that that was it. That, and I thought, that can't be what life is about. Oh. And I think that's what really started me questioning. Yeah. And then I, you know, I had too many doubts about Christianity and in general Catholicism in particular. Mm. Um, and I just searched through different religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, mm. Like the whole, you know, it was the back end of the, you know, it was, okay, it's the 70s, but, you know, the, the hippie stuff was still around mm. there. So there was that whole sort of psychic energy and, you know, that type of stuff going on, right? So I was looking into all of this stuff, philosophy, everything. Um, and I, I guess just looking through different religions and different things. And I, I came to a point when I actually made, made my own religion. I actually came up with my own religion, which is like a, a bit of Buddhism and a bit of Christianity and a bit like everything, like all, all the nice bits, you know? Yeah. 
And I actually have a notebook where I actually <coughs> sketched the outline of this. I actually still got it somewhere. Right? Yeah, yeah, I found it. And the funny thing was, was oh, that um, it was a very little thing. Although in my mind now, it was a big thing. Mm. But actually, in, my, in terms of my actual notes, yeah, it was not, it was not really much, <laughs> much at all. Um, but it was the worst. Like that, my own religion was absolutely the worst thing of all. And I got to the stage where I thought, maybe there's no religion, maybe there's nothing, you know, there's, maybe it's just like, maybe really is money. Maybe that's what it really is about. I just don't have enough money. Yeah. Um, and I thought, and like from my background, enough money, like you're moving on to a different level, right? If I think I needed more money than I had, that was, a, I mean, like my pocket, I'm not saying this boasting, but my pocket money was probably what most people's wages were, right? And that's my pocket money, right? Oh, yeah. So like, you know, you're talking like, when I was thinking of money, I'm thinking about jets, yachts, my own private island, you know, that type of stuff, right? I'm thinking oh, that's yeah. where I need to get to. Maybe I'll find happiness there, right? So, but I thought, I don't want to have to work hard for my money. Like, what's yeah. the point? Like, because the whole point is to enjoy yourself. And mm. if I'm going to work my, you know, work so hard, mm. uh, where's the enjoyment going to be, right? So I'm looking for the shortcut. I'm looking for how can I get the maximum amount of money with the least amount of work? I suppose in some ways. It's that in the religion. Yeah, no, but that's, yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't I, think about that, to be honest, because that, that would, <clears throat> I, I don't know. Um, I've seen people literally yeah. start, like, yeah. different churches in Africa. As a business. I, I honestly could have, I yeah. you know, the funny thing was, I realized like three, four years into Islam, mm. I realized I could have done it. I yeah. actually, but, but that was with, once I discovered Islam, yeah. I realized this is yeah. dangerous knowledge because yeah. you could really use, and I think any serious Christ, Christian or anyone who goes into a, yeah. a, any book that's got some <laughs> semblance of something left in it, yeah. they could, you know, you, it's not hard to start a cult, man. You know, it's um, not, it's not hard. Um, you know that, but so anyway, yeah. So, um, so I was, like I said, I was searching for what's the easiest way to get money without working hard for it. Mm. <clears throat> so I started thinking my life, my, my, I guess my thing was history. I went to university mm. to study history and I guess that's where I started thinking historically, you know, like who are the people who have the most money? Like, who are the rich people in the world? Who is the mm. rich countries? Like, so I thought of Britain, Industrial Revolution is a rich country, sixth, what if it's sixth, seventh richest country in the world. I thought Industrial Revolution, you know, all that capitalism, that's it, that's way too much work. America, the American mm. dream, you know, the American dream is you work yourself up from the ditch, you know, and yeah. you work yourself self-made. Like, that was all too much hard. The Japanese, they were rich, but that was just, all they did was work. Like, yeah. none of that was, like, appealed to me. And then I thought, oh my God, those Saudis, right? They're rich. Like, what have they done? They just sat on their camels for a thousand years going, Allahu Akbar, right? What have they done? <laughs> nothing, right? Literally nothing. And I thought, but they've got all this money. Yeah. I said, that sounds like, that's the, that's the game there, right? No work, lots of money. What sounds, are these guys? It sounds like a similar idea to the young Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, well, maybe. I, I, I don't want know, a piece bro. of that, you know? Yeah, well, whatever it was, but it was like, it, honestly, that it's was it. I, I, I literally, that's the attitude I went to when mm. I picked up the Qur'an because I thought, I knew their book was the Qur'an, that's their religion. Yeah. I thought, okay, what do I know about these people? They're, they're Muslim, they, what's their book, Qur'an? Let, let me find out about them, mm. right? So I, the interesting thing was I was not looking for anything in the Qur'an. Like mm. I just wanted to see what is this about? So mm. that, it was interesting that my frame of mind was totally without any 
preconceptions at all. Mm. I was not approaching the Quran with any other agenda except I wanted to understand what this book was saying. Yeah. Mm. And that was it. Like I got, you know, through obviously it was a translation, but I got like three quarters of the way through it and I just knew. I said, this is it. If there's ever been a book that's from God, this is the mm. one. You know, I, I just knew from all my studies. So you have to remember like, reading the Bible, Bhagavad Gita, all these scriptures, Buddhist, I just knew that there was nothing I'd it's ever come across was like, like the Quran. What, it what was, was it, what was it that, because you're saying like three quarters through what? That's what a good, it, what was the? I think the key points were number one, right? Lots of descriptions of the Akhirah, right? Yeah. So the Quran was talking about paradise, hellfire, <laughs> the day of judgment, right? And like, wait a minute, if, if that's going to be if that's where we're going to be for eternity, yeah, yeah, we definitely, like surely a book that is from God is going to tell us some mm. details about that. Yeah. So I think that was the first thing that, not just some details, a lot of detail. Mm. I think that was one of the first things that really like impressed me about the Quran. Um, and then like the other thing, it just answered some questions like the Trinity, just dealt with the issue of the Trinity. Just like, yeah. it was just like, it made so much sense. Did you ever believe in the Trinity? No. no, I always struggled with it. I, I made myself believe it in the mm. sense that, you know, I'd made, I tried to find ways really hard, tr try to find ways to believe it. Um, but it, it's not rational, right? You believe mm. it by, like they would say, you have to accept it. It's a mystery. You just have to believe mm. there is there's not a rational explanation mm. for it. It's just something you have to believe and you have to accept it. And I guess that you know, that's just not good enough for me, mm. right? I wasn't going to just believe it because someone told me to. Mm. Um, and I think the scriptural foundations of it are very shaky as well. Like it's mm. very, like if you read, again, if you go to the Bible and you read it without you know, bias, yeah, if mm. you're not, if you go to it not looking to find <coughs> the Trinity, it's not, it's not something that's going to jump out yeah. from the Bible at you, right? Yeah. In fact, if anything, it's how human Jesus is, right? Mm. Mm. Uh, not how divine he is, right? So. Mm. Yeah, so, um, no, I never really, I always struggled with the Trinity, mm. a lot. That was one of the big issues I had with Catholicism. Mm. Yeah. I, I come from a Church of England background, so yeah. it's slightly different, but again, the same Yeah, fundamentally the, the same, yeah. Church, C of yeah. E and Catholicism, very, yeah. very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the difference is things like confession. Mm. Um, I never Even really... the saints. Yeah, I know. You know. Yeah, the saint worship. The that was, yeah, that was that a, in, yeah, uh, a lot of that type. Yeah. Mariology, you know, yeah. like Mary's almost like a divine being, mm. really. Um, you know, so that, I think the funny thing was, I remember, like I often talk about how my mum, I remember my mum when I was, I must have been like nine years old and my mum was uh, talking to me about, because I was going to school. She, so she was um, telling me like, um, you know, trying to teach me the Hail Mary because mm. she thought she know, like I'm going to this Catholic school. I better, you know, prepare, yeah. prepare them for, um, you know, going to the school. And so she taught taught this prayer, Hail Mary, which is like that's yeah. a particular Catholic prayer. So it's Hail Mary, Mother of God, blessed art thou amongst women. And when she mm. said Hail Mary, Mother of God, I remember thinking, Mother of God, what? How can God have a mother? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so... How can someone give birth to? I was trying to sit there. I was thinking mm. how can someone give be god's mummy mm. god's supposed to be the creator you know like yeah. you understand the whole thing was just that that's just crazy mm. and then i thought well maybe she's a bigger god than god 
if she's God's mummy, she must oh, be yeah. bigger, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just like in my little kid's way, I tried to, because, yeah. you know, whatever your mum says, you sort of accept yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, no, I never got down with that Trinity yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. No. Since accepting Islam, how has your kind of dawah to your parents kind of evolved or changed? Well, my dad died, like, what was it now, you know, three, four years ago. Mm. Um, he, alhamdulillah, he became Muslim. Yeah, uh, there's video, you can see the video on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, ten days before he died, he took Mashallah. his shahada. Mashallah. You know, my mum is still very obstinate. She's just not, you know. Yeah. Like my mum is a very strange, strange one because you'll have a conversation with her. She'll basically one minute she'll be saying she only believes there's one God, yeah. right? She never makes sense to her how yeah. Jesus is God and that type of stuff. Yeah. And then another, you'll have another conversation with her and she'll be defending the Trinity. Yeah. Although she has no idea what the Trinity is because when you actually yeah. discuss it with her. And like, As so what, yeah, basically defense, that's it, yeah. you know. My mum yeah. once said, oh, if I wasn't a Catholic, I would have converted. And I thought, no, if you were born worshipping in a, in a society that worshipped the tusk of a walrus, you'd still be worshipping the tusk of a walrus there. Because that's, you know, that yeah. she's just following what her people do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she, you know, she doesn't have any crosses, she doesn't have any statues, she mm. doesn't have any icons, mm. you know, nothing like that. Because, you know, the second commandment is you shall not make mm. any graven images. She knows that, yeah. right? Yet she's a Catholic and Catholicism full is energy, full of yeah. that. Yeah. So like, it's very, very, my mum is like very strange. Like in some times it's like she's a mono, and then sometimes she's, I don't even know if there's a God. Mm. I don't even know if there's a paradise or a hellfire. So she's mm. like all over the place, my mum. Mm. Like she has no real certainty, I think, about anything to do with religion. How did she feel with your father accepting Islam? I think she, it was a very hard time, bro. It's like, it, I don't think she really computed about mm. it for, because my dad was, I would say he took like two years to die on mm. and off. It was mm. like he was very ill for about two years. So it was a long, long time. It was a lot of stress, uh, mostly on my mum, but me as well. I was there a lot of the time with her and so, it was just a, you know, I would tell her I'm going to get him to become Muslim before he dies. You know, yeah. like I was up front with my mum yeah. Yeah, about it. Um, you know, I'm going to try and convert him and she knew it. You know, mm. it wasn't like we, we didn't, you know, we were, because I think we spent so much time together at that time. We were like very, yeah. very close. I suppose we could say anything and like we would alternate. So she would go to see my dad one day mm. and I would go the next day. And so we would just say like it happened that. When she went back from the hospital, I said, Hi, how's dad? And he'd tell me and vice versa, yeah. right? So the day I took my dad, he took Shahada, right? I went back and told my mum. I said, okay. I said to dad, you know, take the same Shahada. And he did. He's, he's become Muslim. And she was oh, like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that, that was it really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she just, I think she's sort of it, like, it's a, a bit complicated with my mum because she had some like, um, she had a, like a, I think she, she had a really bad flu, right, a few years mm. ago and it like messed her brain up yeah. really badly and you know she's getting old yeah, as well. Yeah. So like she, I think she even forgot everything about what happened, you know. Yeah. She thinks my dad is buried, you know, his ashes are in the garden. He's not, he's buried in a Muslim cemetery in, uh, you know, like in Lisbon. She, yeah. does, she doesn't even remember that anymore, so, so yeah. yeah. I mean, I do try and tell, and she she's very mm. confused about stuff, you know, mm. like old people do get a yeah. bit confused, yeah. you know. How, how did they react <coughs> when you became a Muslim? Did they think it was like a phase? 
Oh, in the beginning, already, yeah, like, definitely. He'd already like, like, kind of been researching. Yeah, for sure. In the beginning, they yeah. didn't take it seriously at all, and yeah. because I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I of mean, I was, I was just drinking and smoking and all the rest, and like I was saying I'm a Muslim and eating pork, yeah. and like nothing was different about my yeah. life. For me, it was more like, there was this thing I'd come across, it made sense to me, yeah. I would say I'm a Muslim, but I didn't practice, I didn't do anything. Mm. Like I did in the beginning, and then mm. I just like left it. Um, but then, okay, it all flipped and I started. How long did it take for you to two start? Two years, two, years, two yeah. years before I, you know, like some things happened like between me and my girlfriend at the time. Mm. And, it, and that was just like a big catalyst for me. And I totally changed mm. literally, you know, I used to smoke quite a lot of weed and stuff and hash and like, just mm. like got rid of everything. Like literally mm. overnight from this to that, boom, you know? It was just like that moment where it just literally switched, you know. Yeah. And and you I know, remember, I remember coming home yeah. to my parents. Yeah. And I told them I said I'm not going to drink again, and they just burst out laughing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm serious. Yeah. You know, and I've never drank since. Yeah. You know? So, so how, how do you survive? <laughs> <laughs> no, drinking. No, I know, I know, bro. What you mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. No, subhanallah. Yeah. I, I think because uh, these things usually are addictive, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, new Muslims still like anyone who struggle with anyone things, who but... smokes a lot of weed will ha know how hard it is yeah. to get your stash that you've like back in. I don't know what it's like now. I think it's mm. like you know quite easy to get hold of. And back in the days, it wasn't that easy mm. to get hold of. You know, uh, mm. you had to go around. You had to know someone. Yeah, it was like a whole. I'm sure it is still like that to some extent. But you know, to get rid to get your stash and just throw it away, it was like it's a big thing. Like for me, mm. I still remember it was a just tipping it mm. out into the thing, throwing it away. It was like yeah, you know, I was digging I, around for it the, <laughs> next, the next day, you know? <laughs> and it was like what have I done? But alhamdulillah, no, I, I stacked. Do you, know, I, do you know I did that with yeah. my CDs? I threw yeah. out all my CDs, right? Yeah. And I was living in a flat at the time. Yeah, yeah. And the the, the neighbour underneath yeah. the flat dig them all out and I was listening to them for the next six months. <laughs> 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 he was literally playing all oh this music. Like, I'm like, God, oh no, what? you know, yeah, yeah, should have yeah. like cracked them or something. Yeah. But subhanallah. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, subhanallah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, for, for like the new yeah. Muslims who, you know, people who embrace Islam, struggling with things like this, it's yeah. not easy. No, it's not, bro. There's you a know, lot of, I've, a lot of tests, a lot of trials. Yeah. I mean, but everyone's got their own particular you know, um, and they're still going on, bro. It's like people think, oh, you reverts. Yeah, they think mm. we're some sort of better than them. And it's not necessarily true at all. Mm. I remember like when I was, um, I mean, one of the interesting things is that like when I was working in the London Central Mosque, the kids used to come and I'd, you know, give them, show them around the mosque and stuff. And so one of the things they'd ask me is like, what well, once mm. the kids say, well, okay, what's the hardest thing that for you, mm. right, to give up? Yeah. And I, we didn't have a term for it then, right? Mm. But now there's a word, there's a term for it: mm. white privilege. Mm. I didn't call it white privilege, yeah. right? But it, now I would say, if they asked me, the hardest mm. thing to give up is white privilege. Mm. You know, mm. um, that idea that you are better because you're British, because yeah. you're white, because you're yeah. whatever. That that is because that's something deep. You know, yeah. that's like from when you're little. I, I you, don't you, think someone can yeah. even. I think it's very difficult to become a Muslim unless that is broken first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that, that I remember going to Africa yeah. as a non-Muslim and I had this kind of idea of the Great British Empire type yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't, my family are not racist, really. Yeah. But <clears throat> I was proud of, 
you bro, know, I the was, history of Britain. Bro, I was brought, my dad yeah. was a colonial administrator, yeah, I know. right? <laughs> my dad was a colonial administrator, worked for the IMF, Barclays International, mm. right? I was, he was posted to Egypt, you mm. know, his, you know, the British embassy in Egypt is still mm. the leftover of the days when the British ruled Egypt, right? It's yeah. this massive, Mm. huge place right mm. we used to go there regularly mm. like that's where we'd yeah. sort of you know my dad always knew the ambassadors so like mm. that was still deep 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 like breaking that mm. you you're right bro you're right that in many ways i'd already broken it mm. but i wouldn't say it was like Not getting fully, it yeah. out completely yeah. like you know abu yeah. dar i'm sure yeah. he wasn't like really really racist mm. but he still said to bilal you son of a black woman mm. right mm -hmm. He still had that, that like getting rid of yeah. those. It's just Super like totally, yeah. you know, and and the problem is, bro, because we, we're still surrounded by the fact that we, we are privileged. That's just mm. the reality. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, um, you, you, you can get rid of your, well, you can try to get rid of your kind of superiority complex, but you're always going to be treated differently as well. Yeah. Just by being white. Yeah. You know, which you yeah. can't deny that as well. Yeah. You know, certain. Yeah. You know, just the way you get treated in a local masjid, for instance. You yeah. know, it might be different to someone of a different yeah. background. Well, back in the days, bro, it was there was a lot of hostility. Actually, funnily enough, like mm. people wouldn't even believe you, that you were actually Muslim. Mm. I, I I remember walking to a mosque in Birmingham, and it says, "Like, are you a Muslim?" Yeah. He said, "No, you can't be. You're a gora." You know, they couldn't believe that. Like, no, you're a gora. You can't be Muslim. Yeah. yeah and you know that gora. But they say it in a certain way, Gura yeah, yeah. means kafir. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah, just yeah. mean Gura, it means yeah. kafir. Like, it's the synonymous. Yeah. So it wasn't like always the case that, um, you know, people looked at you because you're white, like you're something special or what. Yeah. It wasn't always like that. Not back in the days, bro. It was quite tough. And getting married, that was a whole different... <laughs> right, that was a whole different ball game, bro. And people are still struggling with that, to be honest, yeah. until today. Um, oh. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the thing is, like you said, it's that... It's not the superiority, maybe it is a superiority. But you know the thing that really, subhanAllah, I guess, like, you know, I, I, in Buddhism, um, there's something called Nirvana, right? Now, Nirvana, mm. most people think Nirvana means bliss or mm. like enlightenment. It doesn't. And the, the word Nirvana means annihilation, right? Mm. So, like, the idea of the, the basic, I, I guess the basic idea of Buddhist philosophy is that the ego is the cause of all suffering, right? Mm. So. The way you get rid of suffering, you know, within yourself and the world is by destroying the ego. Mm. But this destroying the ego is, it's not, so in, in Islam we have taskiyat al-nafs, yeah, mm. we have the purification of the, mm. so the, like the idea is that actually the ego is fundamentally a good thing. Mm. What's not good is when you take it beyond certain boundaries. Yeah. But in Buddhism, it's no, you annihilate the ego, right? Yeah. So you have, the ideal is for you to have no identity whatsoever, mm. right? There is no you. There's nothing that mm. is you anymore, right? You are just, so you annihilate this ego, right? Um, but I had this moment, like, there was a bit, when I made Hajj the first time, right? Mm. I think I experienced this sort of annihilation of mm. my, like, and it's when, like, it was like, totally really surreal. Huh? Like, totally insignificant. Th that was it, bro. And, and like, you know, like I remember night. arriving yeah. and it was at night. We arrived at night and it was floodlit. The Kaaba was floodlit. And it just looked like a movie screen. It didn't look real to me at all. It was like, mm. okay, it's like, it looks like a movie. Yeah. Mm. And then when I went from the, you know, from the areas that, you know, the, mm. the actual enclosed yeah. area and I stepped down into the, the open area where the people mm. are making tuap. And it's when I went into that throng of people making tuap, that moment then 
it's just like that that me that why i just it evaporated bro i realized i was so, nothing oh. it meant absolutely nothing i realized mm. that being white being british my passport was nothing it was nothing me and all of those people the only thing that Allah cared about is what's in the hearts yeah. that's it i knew i was just nothing that moment for me was the most prof one of the most yeah. profound moments in my life yeah? yeah that just annihilation of like abdurrahim you're nothing you really, who are you? Nothing. You're just one amongst, and who knows who's the best of all of these people, mm -hmm. right? You don't know it's you, right? Only just, just you know, so that was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful moment, you yeah. know. It's a, um, it's a huge experience, Hajj. You know, yeah. uh, I remember the first time I went, same thing, you know, mm. you just literally feel like an ant. Yeah. You know, millions of people and yeah. no one's looking at you. You know, they might yeah. look at you in your local mosque. Yeah. Because you're white or whatever, but yeah. there it's just no one cares. Yeah. Everyone's focused on Allah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It really, uh... well, yeah. I mean, of course, this is uh, something as you're talking about the the privilege, the white privilege, or the superiority complex, these type of things. Mm. This is kind of a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. You know, the Black Lives Matter yeah, yeah. kind of protests all yeah. around the world. What yeah. do you think about that? What you, what's your kind of take on the whole? I I I'm doing this. Um... You know, this like uh, podcast with Abdul Haq Baker, who's a, a comrade from back in the, yeah. back in the Salafi days, yeah. right? So we're just reliving a lot of the yeah. stuff that we went through and discussing it and how things was, have changed. I was watching some, it's really, yeah, really it's nice. Really, I, I enjoy, I don't know if yeah. anyone enjoys listening, I but it. I love doing it because it's yeah. just like, it's really good sometimes mm. to go through that stuff. And and one thing I remember with Abdul Haq, it's, it's a, you know, like you have these things in your life that really stick out. And we'd come back from a talk, I remember a talk in Wales, I think it was in Swansea, we'd come back late mm. at night, one o'clock in the morning, uh, and, you know, and I was on my road, this is in London, literally on the, you know, on the road to my house, police stopped me, outside my house, mm. right, and they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I've come back, we were giving a talk in Wales, right, mm. and so where do you live? I said, right here, that's my house, I couldn't believe it, right, but the police, when they stopped yeah. us, these guys were like, you know, their eyes were bloodshot, you know, they literally must have woken up, saw a car drive past yeah. and said, let's stop them, you know, yeah. and then basically, the car, their car started sliding down the hill because they forgot to put the handbrake on, mm. and they went running to stop the car, and I went running to help them, right, yeah, yeah, and Abdul yeah. Haq was standing there like that, like, like looking down, like, like that with complete contempt yeah and like you know anyway they went and whatever I said bro why didn't you help and and then he said Abdurrahim you have to understand what it was like being a black kid brought up in Brixton and yeah. what we went through and then like and it's like I realized I had no idea when he started so, telling me it's like I didn't have the f and he said to me in this podcast he said you know why they stopped you know why they stopped us, Abdurrahim? Because I was in the car. If it had just been you, yeah. nothing would have happened. Yeah. It's because there was a black guy, they thought I was your drug dealer. That's what they yeah. thought. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And it was like, oh my God, like yeah. it took me another 20 years just to hear that part of it as well. Like, yeah. And he told me about, uh, you know, there was this, there was this shed yeah. in, in Clapham Common where they used to take black kids and beat them up. The police used to just beat them up just for fun, you know, like yeah. take them for a beating. You know, yeah. you can't imagine what it's like. No, to live. I know, yeah. no yeah. idea. Like I said, yeah. you know, like I said, I was talking to Dilly about this in his podcast, mm. and he was saying, like, it was like for me, the police are the boys in blue. Yeah, they're the cavalry. You know, that you look for them when when you're feeling nervous. I like, you know, I remember, and mm. this is not a racial thing, mm. right? I remember once when I was at school and I was in the like a local 
like a local town we used to go mm. to, you know, to go to the pub and stuff like that. It's called Helmsley, right? Was in this thing and I saw these flipping Hells Angel bikers and I was terrified. Yeah, I was mm. literally, where are the police? Where are the police? These guys gonna like, you know, you know, so it wasn't yeah. to do with whether this, these yeah, guys, yeah, they, yeah. That to me, they just posed a threat mm -hmm. and the police were someone I believe were going to help me. Mm. Um, and I still have that attitude towards, I still do have mm. that attitude towards the police. Like from my perspective, I've never had a bad mm. encounter. All my encounters with the police mm. have been either neutral, yeah. right? Or actually quite positive, mm. right? I mean, I, I'm not from like such a privileged background yeah. and I, I don't have a good, uh, experience with them right um, but I would say that obviously because it's weird because I my parents were mm. from a, a very white racist area mm. and they were aware of this so yeah. they sent me to school on the other side of Manchester yeah in Hume yeah you know Hume Moss side it's more multicultural there's yeah. lots of uh, uh, like Asian Caribbean yeah. African etc so it's more mixed yeah so having that kind of experience in both areas mm really kind of you know you, you realize that there is like this racism mm. and you see you treated differently even if you are pulled over yeah. in like the white racist area yeah. they, they don't treat you like a certain yeah. way where if yeah. you if you're with uh, black friends yeah mm. you definitely you definitely do see that um mm. you know it's um yeah it exists that's yeah. the thing yeah but i think you know i mean like the whole issue is you know um I don't know, I don't know. What do you like, think about all the, you know, I, I quite like the discussion about the whole colonialism and the uh, the slave trade, what's going on at the moment, you know, they, they toppled the statue. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. It's a, yeah. it's a whole can of worms though, mm -hmm. isn't it? Like, because, you know, slavery, like slavery has existed. Yeah up until recently, and it's still, listen, let's yeah. be honest, slavery still exists, yeah. Yeah? we're just fooling ourselves. We, yeah. You can change the name, yeah. but the reality of slavery still exists, yeah. even in this country, yeah. right? Why did Theresa May pass the, you know, which is one of the really decent things I have to say she did, she passed the modern slavery bill, because slavery still exists, it's just yeah. a different form. People are still being bought and sold, they're still being trafficked, they're still being yeah. exploited and not paid anything, and like literally anything mm. can be done, done to them, mm. right? So I, it's always existed in human history, right? And it doesn't justify it, doesn't make it right. Um, I think the thing, I think that what is really um, maybe particularly different about the, the Western, you know, yeah. uh, slave trade was it was, it had a very strong racial element. It was justified, yeah. like biblically justified, yeah. right? They justified it by the Bible. They justified white supremacy by yeah. the Bible and they still do some of them, right? They justified slavery, yeah. right? Based upon their, so I think that obviously slavery's existed mm. in Islam as well, right? Yeah. But it was never a racial issue mm. <laughs> because the, the Moors were mm. capturing white slaves and they say yeah. that probably one, one and a half million Europeans went into slavery in Morocco, mm. right? Over yeah. a period of a lot longer than the transatlantic slavery, like mm -hmm. the period of hundreds and hundreds yeah. of years, right? Um, so, but it was not based on race, yeah. right? It, it's just based on that was the status quo, yeah. right? I mean, that was the times as well, you know, all, all the empire, yeah. um, empires like. But I think the other that. thing is that I think, you know, Islam's perspective on slavery mm. is it's interesting mm. from the point of view of um, maybe trying to abolish slavery mm. is futile in the sense that it's never going to stop. Yeah. What is what is more effective 
is changing people's behaviors, right? Mm. Changing how you treat another human being, mm. changing the way that you behave to them. And I think mm. that you look at the Islamic paradigm and it was like, um, yeah, it didn't abolish slavery, right? But the relationship between the slave and the master was reformulated yeah. uh, really dramatically, yeah. you know. So Islam gave very, very strong rules about mm. what you were not allowed to do to a slave, mm. how you had, they had to, you had to feed them with what you fed, you have to, you know, uh, uh, dress them the way you dressed. It, it was almost like they became a member of the family, yeah. right? That's, they became, a, and then the huge encouragements to, mm. you know, free slaves as an act of virtue and stuff like that. So I think it's about transforming attitudes, which is what mm. really is important because you can change names, but the mm. reality of the situation is really there. Mm. It's what is more important is transforming mm. how we think about other human beings. Mm. And I think then when it comes to racism, right, um, back to Black Lives Matter, I think that's another thing that I found about Islam is that, you know, that very, very strong ethos you know there's no difference between yeah. the white and the black the arab the non-arab you know the only you, the, your tribes and nations to know one another not hate one another the best of you is only the most pious yeah right um these are very very strong messages mm. right that anyone who's sincere about their religion right mm. uh will I, I think will make a real strong effort mm. to get rid of that mm. racism and tribalism out of their mm. system Mm. You know. I wanted to uh, speak to you about the Dawah in UK. Yeah. Uh, Dawah to our own tribe. Okay. I was speaking about yeah, tribes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like, in, obviously, in the major cities, there's yeah. a lot of Muslims London, Birmingham, Manchester, yeah. you know, all the big cities. But a lot of the countryside, yeah. you know, the villages, there's very little Islam and yeah. Muslims. And I feel yeah. that a large portion of our tribe has mm. not heard the message. I think interacting with, like, it's very interesting that in places where they have high immigrant populations and high Muslim populations, generally people's attitude towards immigrants and Muslims is positive, right? Mm. It's more positive. It's where they don't interact, where they don't actually have living experiences mm. of meeting and talking to and having Muslim friends, right? That's yeah. the key. The key is having friends yeah. who are Muslim, you know? Um, and I think when people do meet Muslims and they see they're human beings like they're human beings, mm. right? And maybe they might even admire and respect some of the values that they have mm. as Muslims, right? Then that's, you know, that's a great way of um, breaking down barriers. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I live in this, this town here and um, I think we're the only Muslims in there. I mean, there's us and maybe someone else, you know, the only Muslims in the town, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, it, it's one step maybe, you know, we don't really go out there and preach to people or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people see us, they see our presence, our kids are around, you know, they, they're inter they interact with mm -hmm. us. My wife still, mashallah, wears the full niqab, goes into town. Like mashallah. people are very polite and very yeah. nice and generally super friendly and treat her really nicely, you know. The thing is, you know, you know what English people are like, though. They, they'll yeah. never say it to your face. They, they're like... No, I think there's... They, yeah, you're right. Even, even Sometimes they, there's they, a polite sort yeah. of whatever. But you know the difference between that yeah. and people who are actually quite Definitely, genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my wife is actually quite a sort of conversationalist type of person. Mm. She's like, she will really just... I think people get surprised yeah. how, uh, you know, like how she communicates really yeah, yeah. like clearly and positively yeah, yeah. and you know like it's sort of like what <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes like you can speak 
Isn't it ironic now, bro, with all the face masks and the coronavirus face masks? <laughs> Honestly, I went to I went to the co-op today and it was like this girl at the counter with yeah. you know with a face mask and it's like, oh my god, like that's like in a carb. Like yeah. this is like a real, like this is just like what this is weird. <laughs> no, it's crazy, subhanallah. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean what so what what was your inspiration for the man in the red underpants? Well, I used to we still do do this dower training course. Yeah. yeah? Um, and um, like before Aira, I just I had, to clarify, it's yeah. your book. It's the name of your yeah, book. yeah. It's yeah. the name of a, a book that I wrote. It's not um, like something else. It's not. It's not from back in the club days. Shaky groove thing. So yeah. Um, no, like so. I used to give this. Um, Dower training course, yeah. uh, which is basically what is now known as the GORAP method. Um, we di I didn't call it that in those days. It was um, I called it the systematic approach to Dower, yeah. um, and it was very much like inspired by a sheikh who basically gave me some advice about the right way to give Dower, mm. and basically told me don't bother answering all of these questions mm. just go back to the essence of Islam. Is there a God? Is God mm. one? Is the Quran from God? Is Muhammad the Prophet? Yeah. And I, I've, you know, it's, it's a revolutionary approach, mm. really, you know. Um, and so I was, I was doing this course in this, uh, actually, it was like a private house. It was just like his family and mm. some friends and stuff. And, um, and so, part in, in, so part of the thing is that to get people to think about before we have a conversation about, you know, trying to understand anything about the God, the universe, whatever, mm. let's agree on some principles. So I'd always say, look, start with, you know, your foundational principles, mm. right? What process are you going to use in order to know what is true from what is false? Yeah. Right? So like, obviously there's various things that like people, you're just going to follow your ancestors. Is that what mm. you're going to do? Right? Yeah. Whatever they did, you're going to do, right? Yeah. Uh, is it you're going to just wait for some, you know, some writing in the sky or something? Like, what, what process are you going to do yeah. to... So th the point was is that we should use reason, right? Mm. Or we should use mm. common sense, right? So that mm. the, the... So I used to say, look, if some guy came on... You can see these bikers. I don't know why these bikers are stuck in my head. <laughs> these hell's angels, right? We've seen some if someone, down, actually. Yeah, there's a lot there's around. A lot of them, yeah. uh, if you saw someone, right, with love and hate tattooed on their fists, yeah with a biker jacket, knocking on your door saying, I'll come to read your gas meter, yeah? Mm. What would you do? Would you let him yeah. in your house? Would you let him read your gas You'd say, get lost, mate, you know, like, so. You call the police. Yeah, so, I, that was that exactly, you call the police. <laughs> so that was the example yeah. I would give, right? Yeah. But then I would get the people, the students in the class to practice the conversation, mm. yeah? So I'd say, okay, this is what you say. So, but you have to make it your own, right? You mm. don't just use yeah. my example. So this one guy, one of the students, he said, right? He said, what if a man wearing nothing but red underpants came knocking on your door saying, I've come to read your gas meter. And I said, that is just genius, right? I dropped the biker love-hate thing. I demanded, you know, it's like, boom, it was just such a powerful, and that's it. Yeah. From then I used it in my Dower training from then on, it became the title of my book because I'm this sure, student, sure. he, that's what he thought of himself. Mm. So that's where it came from. Yeah. I think this was one of, uh, this is yeah. one of the most, popular Dow books really yeah you know over the past however many years when did when did you I don't know it was interestingly enough that book was really based upon really based upon a letter 
that I had written to my dad mm. years and years ago. And he had given me this Economist, like the Economist magazine used to have mm. these inserts, right, about various countries. Mm. And one, one month they had this insert, not about countries, but about Islam, mm. right? And it was talking about Samuel Huntington, Clash of Civilizations, mm. and this whole thing was about Islam and the West, and is there a clash or whatever. And my dad, my dad used to read The Economist right, a lot, and he gave me this and said, well, what do you think of this? And then I tried to have a conversation within minutes, it was an argument. So I said, okay, dad, let's forget the mm. thing. I'm gonna write you something, yeah? Mm. So I literally wrote him what ended up being, you know, a hundred page, almost mm. a book, right? It was yeah. in two parts. The first part was really basically proving that Islam is the truth, mm. right? Uh, and um, that was really more or less the foundation of what became the man in the red underpants, like mm. a very slimmed down version, right? Yeah. Um, and that, interestingly enough, that paper got, was in the early days of the internet, like mm. early, early days in the internet, right? Mm. That was all over the internet. To the extent that the Rand Corporation, right mm. they wrote you could probably still find it they wrote a paper called democratizing islam wow. right wow. okay and they quoted me twice in that paper wow. based upon this this letter that i written to my dad right oh. that was all over the internet twice they'd quoted, quoted me the rand corporation yeah because oh. i basically said the west don't believe in human rights they don't believe in mm. any of this stuff right when it's convenient for yeah. them yeah. they believe in it right and so they quoted, you know, they took bits from my thing. So, yeah, so it has actually, that book, in a sense, has a long, long history. Mm -hmm. It goes like way, way back to other stuff mm -hmm. that was around on the internet. Mm -hmm. and, and I can't even remember what that... Because when I think of Dow yeah. books, I mean, the only other things really out there are like... It's very different, isn't it? The, yeah, I, yeah, a lot of them are like just... Uh, transcripts of debates and things yeah. like that. They're not really anything. Or just you know, or just bash or, Bible bashing. Yeah, you know, exactly. but, you know, the, you know, like yeah. the, the Ahmadidat stuff, which yeah. had its time and place. But, yeah. You know, um, not really dawah to Islam, is no, it? No, no, it's not. Or, really. or then you have Islam in focus, which yeah. is almost sort of like a just oh, Islam says this and Islam yeah, says yeah. that. There were a few great. Well, something but there with were, the intention. Yeah, there invite. were a few good books, but again, even towards understanding Islam by Maududi, he never really wrote that mm. for non-Muslims, yeah. right? Um, I think uh, Dr. Bilal Phillips wrote a few really good little booklets, mm. but then they were focusing on one particular yeah, like dimension. Yeah, one yeah, one particular uh, thing. But um, I mean, there have been books, but yeah. I think partly because of our era and we published it and pushed it out, yeah. and and um, and the title's catchy, yeah. and it was all based on research as well. Because one of the things we'd mm. un we'd, we'd found out through research was that if you have the word Islam written on a book, mm. people will not pick it up. Mm, mm. So if, if you left, for example, a pile of books in a doctor's surgery and one said Jesus in Islam and one said the truth about Jesus, mm. the ones Jesus in Islam will literally, no one will touch it. Yeah. Islam is there, they will not touch it. Mm. The other one, they'll pick it up. So like there yeah. was a, so back in the days when we started our era, that's why it's called the Research, Islamic Education and Research yeah. Foundation, because we, we, we wanted to look into those things like, you know, yeah. what makes something attractive? Why would a person read a book? And even when the book begins, it, it's sort of trying to draw it, yeah, a person in a little bit, not straight into... Yeah, yeah. The first page yeah. is like, what's going on? Yeah, here? it's yeah. The, like the yeah. hook, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I guess this is like the basis of the Ayura Dawa, really. Yeah. Because, you know, yeah. you, what, what I like about Ayura, alhamdulillah, I've, you, yeah. know, I've, you know, done a lot of work with you guys. Yeah, and, of course. 
uh, volunteering, traveling, yeah. and different things. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to the Brazil thing. That was amazing. Yeah, bro. Mashallah. May Allah bless great, you all uh, the work you did. Yeah. Mashallah. But you know, the the good thing is, is you got the the everyday Muslim yep. giving dawah. Yep. And this is so important because... And it's not know, difficult, yeah. right? Once you know the method, yeah. you know a simple thing like go right. You don't mm. need to study the Bible. Yeah. You don't need exactly. to study Bhagavad exactly. Gita to remember verses. Yeah. You don't need to. It's Just about go, your religion. Go to Tawheed. Yeah. Talk about Islam. Talk about how we know Allah exists yeah. and that Allah is one. How do we know the Quran is from Allah? It's very simple. Yeah. And literally yeah. the stuff you can learn in a day. Yeah. Right, you and you should look, already know. Basically. You should most of it. You yeah. should already know anyway. Yeah. Right, it's just it's yeah. just about putting it together systematically. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, it's very logical. Mm -hmm. It has a very logical, mm -hmm. like step by step by step. And yeah. if the person you're talking to doesn't want to take the next step, you say, okay, that's it. It's been cool. nice talking to you. Let's leave it there. Yeah. There's no need to go any further, right? If yeah. a person doesn't accept that there's a God, why would you want to talk about hijab? Like, why? Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't even believe there's a God. What's the yeah, point? Yeah. Leave it. You know? Yeah. yeah Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair. It's been nice to see you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's been hopefully good. we'll catch up again. Yeah, inshallah. <laughs> roll, yeah. Inshallah, in five minutes, inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a warmer location. <laughs> إنك لا تهدي من أحببت ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء. Thank you for listening to the Young Smirks podcast with me, John Fontaine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and YouTube and all the other outlets. Like and subscribe and leave a comment. And also, please support us on the donation link below so that we can continue to give you quality podcasts. Thank you very much. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa barakatuh.